Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, your educational podcast where we discuss the ins and outs of the HVAC and mechanical service industry. Find out how we can help you increase efficiency and how we deliver excellent service in the real world. of Conversations from the Edge, a Service Logic podcast. I'm your host, Scott Sidway. So this one is going to be fun for me because I'm a guy who has bounced around different career paths. And today we're going to be talking about why staying focused on one path can lead you to big time success. But really, this is one I think a lot of people can find useful because I run into this all the time with friends, colleagues that just kind of feel stuck. They don't know how to get out of a bad job, or maybe they feel like they deserve a chance to advance, but for some reason just can't. So we're turning to Tony Ponzo, the COO of Service Logic, who has had quite the path himself. So Tony, let's just start there. Let's track your career path. What did you start out as, and, and what was your goal when you did start your career? Well, hey, Scott, first of all, thanks for having me on today. Greatly uh, appreciate it. Uh, excited to walk through this uh, conversation with you, so I do appreciate that. Uh, geez, my career path, uh, <laughs> long long uh, path, 37 years in the industry, in the same industry. I literally started as a uh, apprentice pipe fitter in 1982 and uh, started making, I think, $6.50 an hour back in the day. I think that was uh, entry-level uh, wages for an apprentice pipe fitter. And um, you're da- you know you're dating yourself a little bit. Yeah, I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you saw a picture of me, you truly know what how far that date goes back. So, but we'll just we'll stop there and we and uh, we'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, so I started in 1982. had a had a great career. I worked with the same company from 1982 to 1997 as a uh, out in the field. In 1997, I left the field for a sales position with a company called Midwest Mechanical. And prior to that, 1997, I was hurt on the job back in 19, I think it was 1995. And at that at that time, the big thing was to bring you in for light duty. And light duty for the company that I was working with at the time, which was Reedy Industries, was they'd bring you in and they'd try to find something for you to do internal in the office. It happened to be sales. So I, they put me in a sales position, had no idea what I was doing, but I always I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to people. I, I had been in the industry for quite some time, so I, I felt I had you know a lot of knowledge base, and um, I had some success at it. And in 1997, I was kind of I was recruited by a company uh, from a recruiter for a company called Midwest Mechanical, and I literally worked with that company from 1997 to 2017. At various, and this is a long story, Scott. So I'll try to make right. it as brief well, as let, possible. Let me, let me ask you this to kind of break it up a little bit. So you, you mentioned that something changed along the way because you said you got that you got hurt, and then you said it put you into a sales thing. So I mean, how much? Where was your head at at that point when when things sort of shifted for you, and it wasn't really your decision? Yeah, you know, it was a great question. I, I my father was in the building trades for you know forty years, and had watched him for a period of time and just, you know, just as he got older, it became harder. So as I, once I, when I got hurt, I started thinking, you know, I wonder if there's a a different career path that I could still stay in the industry, but yet maybe take it a little easy on my body and maybe just use my mind. 
And so uh, when I had the opportunity in 1997 to move into a sales position with Midwest Mechanical, I, I jumped at it because I thought it was a great move for me, get out of the field, get out of the weather, take care of my body, use my mind, but yet use my knowledge to progress in, in the industry. And, and I think I accomplished that. Well, let me ask you this then. So obviously that was a little bit different than what you were expecting. Uh, you had to adapt. I mean, how scary of a transition was that at the time? Because you were used to one thing, and then now you're taking a leap, but you, like you said, using your, your mind instead of your body. Yeah, you know, it, it was very scary. I, I, <laughs> I took a significant pay cut at the time to, to walk into the sales field, and, and I can tell you I, I had three children at the time. I had a wife that I was supporting, but really felt that if – I put everything into this position that someday I would be successful and this would be a great move. See, I think people can relate to that too because it's like a lot of people are scared, you know, if, if they feel that sense of just I'm not going anywhere, I want to do something different. You mentioned, I mean, you had all the cards stacked against you. Yeah, you know, I, I did. It was it was scary from the aspect that, you know, geez, what happens if I, if I fail that I always could go back in the field but I never approached the position from that aspect that, well, if it doesn't work out in sales, I'll just go back to being a technician. You know, and, and if I felt that if I left that as a crutch, I wasn't going to be successful moving forward. So once I made the decision to do that, it was no looking back. And uh, it's it's been a hell of a ride for the last 37 years, to be quite honest with you. Now, you said you didn't want to leave it as a crutch, but you it kind of you really couldn't have as a, have it as a crutch, right? Just because of the, the injury? Or did you do something specifically in your head to eliminate that crutch? Because I think a lot of people were trying to relate this to, to someone who might be listening, thinking, man, I, I want to get something out of this. Uh, they might be thinking, I have that crutch too. So what was it for you? Did you was, was it a forced situation? Or did you do something specifically to say, I'm committing to this new venture? No, it wasn't a physical thing. It was more of a mental thing where I said that it, it, once I make this move, there was no going, there was no going back. And you know, looking back at it, I think that was the right decision because if you keep that option available to you, then I don't think you're going to put everything into what you're doing at that given time. And for me at that time, it was being successful in a sales type role. That's kind of like. I mean, not to shift gears here too much, but it's kind of like dating, right? Like when you're yeah. you're with one person, you, you commit yourself and you get to know that person a little better, whereas you're playing the field, you don't really get to know anybody that well. So that's 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 interesting. Okay, so you said um, you, you said just because you can't be a tradesman doesn't mean you can't be successful. I, I, I want to explore that a little bit. What do you mean when you say that? Is there a stereotype to being a tradesman? Uh, you know, you're, they, people look at you as, you know, you kind of work with your hands, you're, you're dirty, you, you know, you, you wear, you know, a type of uniform. Everybody looks at blue-collar workers, not everybody, but some people will look at blue-collar workers and say, well, it's not really, that's not a professional, not a profession or something that's, you know, maybe sustainable long-term or something that you can make a, a great living at or support your family. And it's just not true. I mean, you look at just the HVAC industry, everybody thinks it's it's not a sexy industry. We kind of get a bad rap, but uh, I guess my point was that there's there's options available to you and that the industry has been has been very good to me. It, this is my story and you know, I look at it and I approach it from a very humble standpoint that hey, this is what I chose to do. I left the field because I was looking for something different at the time to maybe 
be a little bit, you know, uh, maybe just be in better shape as I got older instead of just looking at my father and kind of relating to having him 40 plus years in the trades and just looking at him and say, hey, he did quite well. He took care of four children and, and you know, we, we didn't want or need for anything. We were a middle class family. He did quite well. I could do this, but maybe there was a, a different route for a different level of success. And that's kind of the position that I took. So you just basically, you had the thought and you said, I'm just going to do this thing. And, and you, you put the initiative to the thought. So, I mean, what would you say to somebody that, you know, that's listening, thinking, man, I need to do that too, but I just, I just can't. Like something is stopping me. I'm scared to, or yeah, but I've got to pay this bill. I don't want to take the pay cut or da, 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 da. You know what I mean? Like, what would you say to somebody like that? Well, you know, I, it's risk and reward type thing. I think you don't ever get rewarded unless you take some risk. Uh, at, and granted, this may not work for everybody, but I think at some point in your life, you have to make a decision that maybe if I did take this risk, there could be a, a different reward. And the reward for me was, was just moving along the industry in, in different roles. I had always positioned myself to potentially run a business someday. And so I, I looked at it from, well, what experience do I need in order to do that? And if I kept doing all the right things, the risk that I was taking moving forward through the industry, it's someday I would be rewarded. And I think I did that. You bring up an interesting point to me and that you said you were looking at you know, what little things you had to do, almost like you were looking at it like I need to take step one and then step two, as opposed to thinking about step 100 and being right. intimidated by the fact that there's 100 steps in between. Well, exactly. When I was in the field, I, I, you know, for 15 years, I thought I was a, a very good, you know, technician. I did well and was successful at that. And I always approached the next moves in my career as, okay, what do I need to know next? I felt sales was a logical step because when you're in the field and being a technician, you're basically selling yourself to the customers that you're dealing with on a daily basis. So I thought that related well as a logical next step because it gave me that experience. When I was successful in the sales position, I thought, well, I need to learn the next piece of the industry. And for me, that was the operations side of the business. So I moved into more of a operations type role when I eventually left the sales position. And when I was in operations, I thought, well, I need to understand the inner workings behind the business in a manager's role. So I, I moved into a service manager role and understood more of the dynamics of not only what it took to be successful out in the field, but what was the financial dynamics behind the scenes that made a business successful. So when you put all those pieces together, I felt that was the, the puzzle that I was putting together. The, someday give me the tools necessary to run a business. And when I had that opportunity to do that in, in 2007, I, I was well positioned because I had all the basics and foundations of the business overall, not just one piece. See, this is really speaking to me because I've, I've always subscribed to the mindset that success equals preparation plus luck. Meaning you can be as prepared as you want, but if you don't have the opportunity, then you're not going to be able to you do anything with it. Or you could be the luckiest person in the world, but if you haven't prepared, you're not going to hold it very long. So you use the word opportunity and tools. So how much of it was your just go-getterness going out there and taking advantage of your opportunities? And how much of it was just opportunities come your way to someone who might not know, do I just got to get lucky or do I have to work hard? Which one is it? 
No, you know, I, I would think it's more, I, I just grab the opportunities. When any, whenever somebody threw something in front of me, I, I, I said yes. I, I never was really concerned at the end of the day how much the position paid. And, and I knew what I was going to be doing, obviously. I knew what the role was, but I never looked at it from an economic standpoint. I more looked at it from an experience aspect and what the opportunity was going to present itself as I move forward into my end goal, which was to run a business someday. So, you know, I always I always had this model when I was in running a business. And I, you know, I used to say this thing, if you run a business based solely on economics, you'll make bad decisions. If you make decisions that are in the best interests of your customer, the money will follow. And I kind of approached my career the same way. I never approached anything and opportunities based on economics. I best based it on what the opportunity presented and what experience that it gave me as I move forward. Could you maybe explain that a little bit, the difference between banking and economic decision when you get to that point, let's say someone's wanting to start a business themselves, making an economic decision versus a decision in the best interest of the customer? Because I, I think I myself included might be like, well, what's, what's the big difference there? Yeah, you know, I, I always, you could relate it to if you go out as a technician and you perform a service for, for a customer and the customer, you know, for whatever reason, disputes what you, what you did that day at their facility and didn't feel, what, didn't feel that they received the value for the work that was performed, right? So they would call the office and they would say, hey, I think this is too much money at the end of the day. Mm. And your role as a manager would be to call that individual or speak to that individual and say, okay, let's, let's walk through what they did at the end of the day. And when you look at that and approach that and just say this was a, you know, a long-term customer and you can maybe relate to the, the, their experience, maybe it wasn't necessarily up to par. And for this instance, you would just maybe commiserate with them from the aspect of saying, you know, okay, I, I see that. You know, I'm not necessarily telling you that I agree, but I can understand your position. And you know what, let's go ahead and we can modify the bill this time based on what you feel your experience is. And if we look at it that way, I'm gonna have a long-term customer because they, they under, I related to them, they, I understood right. their position and we were able to work through it together. Now, you don't have a college degree in sales, do you? No, no. See, see that's, it's fascinating because you, you've made that transition uh, almost seamlessly uh, based off of what your experiences are and what you've been describing. So do you think it's a myth that, you know, the college degree is, you know, a, a necessary thing to do to succeed in, in the industry that you're in? No. Listen, I'm a father of, of four girls that all have a college education that are in, you know, significant debt because of it. But in this industry, and, and couldn't apply to any other industry. I think their opportunity is about experience, and I think the more experience you can have in the actual field of choice doesn't necessarily relate itself to having to have a college education to be successful. Well, especially when a lot of people just go to college and get they go to the classes and they go to the, the parties and stuff, but they don't do the internships and you know, maybe the on-campus activities where you actually get those experiences. So they graduate and they're like, well, what do I do now? The job's wait, wait, waiting for me, right? Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> you know, you would, you would think it is, but it's not. You know, I always used to say, is this, I always used to tell apprentices when they would come into my business, I'm like, listen, is this your vocation or your hobby? It's if it's your vocation, 
then spend the time, get the experience that you need to be successful. If this is your hobby, then you probably truly need to find something else to do because this isn't where your heart is. And if your heart is not into what you want to do, it's just you're not going to give it the energy and effort that you need that it needs for you to be successful. And that, that's that's fascinating. So, what would your big piece of advice be to someone who is in that position that you were in at one point? early on in your career where you're thinking, maybe it's time I make a change. I'm thinking about my father, or I'm thinking about my kids in the future, or maybe my physical condition, or maybe I just don't like my situation at all. I need to change. What would be, if you could just give one fortune cookie piece of advice, uh, uh, what someone could do, what would that be? Boy, you know, that that's that's a hard question because I, I think it can be different for for every person. I just really, truly, at the end of the day, feel you need to follow your heart and what you think you could be the most successful in and put 100% of your time, energy, and effort in, into doing that. And if you do that, and you know, I used to tell my kids all the time, listen, nothing in life is handed to you. It's what you make out of it. And the life is full of opportunities. When you see one and you think it's the right move, grab it, regardless of what maybe the consequences might be. And sometimes that's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I know, Tony, you're a humble man, despite running an $850 million business. So I think you'd agree with me when I say, if you can do it and make the leap, anyone can. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Conversations from the Edge, brought to you by Service Logic. Please, if you like what you hear, spread the word. Tell your friends and have them download and subscribe, just like I'm sure you already have. And if you haven't, please feel free and go ahead and jump on that bandwagon. Until next time, I've been your host, Scott Sidway. This is Conversations from the Edge.